Are you comfortable with silence? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. And yes, thank you those who noted and were asking what's going on the past week or two. We had taken off for the holiday of Pesach, for Passover. But don't, no worries, we did not advance on the list of Torah portions. The Shabbos of Pesach, we were reading sections related to the holiday, and we are now this job is up to the new portion of Shemini, a portion that has us experiencing one of the most joyous days in world history, which turned into a day containing one of the greatest tragedies in world history. The day was the induction of the temple, the first day of the month of Nisan. We are basically just about a year after the exodus from Egypt. We have put together all the elements for the Mishkan, for the tabernacle. Moshe spent seven days in a prep mode, and now it is being inducted. And now Aaron is turning into the high priest, and now his sons are turning into the Kohanim, into the priests. Everything is clicking together for this to be the shift to a whole new level of involvement and worship and connectivity with God. And on that very day, through a tragic error on their part, the two sons of Aaron, the two sons of Aaron, Nadav and Avi, who his eldest two sons, the two sons who are seen as the likely replacements, the two sons that Moshe describes as, as some type of spiritual level, greater than Aaron and greater than himself, Moshe. They die on this very day. For another time, exactly what they did wrong and why they did what they did wrong. But even after their failure, they're still described by God as the closest ones to me, Bikrovai. They're described as the ones who are in my proximity and with their death, a radical shift of eventually the next two sons of Aaron, Elazar and Isamar, Elazar will be the, the high priest later on after Aaron's death, but a reduction in that we no longer have people on that caliber to replace Aaron and Moshe. And Aaron's reaction is what I'd like to talk about today. The text describes Vayidom Aharon. Most commentaries understand that the term Vayidom is a term referring to either silence or at least the inability to speak uh, loudly. It's a different type of qualification, a quality of speech, very soft tones. And we'll go with probably the most standard approach that it means silence. Dome, by dome from domain. Domain refers to those aspects of the world that have no movement, no growth potential. The inanimate objects, the rocks, the minerals, the earth, they're just stagnant. And by dome, he is like that rock, total silence. In fact, the English word dumb, D U M B, referring to one deaf and dumb, incapable of speaking, is almost for sure derived from this term of Vayidom, that he became silent. Truth be told, worth investigating, the Targum, the Aramaic translation, has a word Shavach, which seems to be related to the word of praise. Maybe a very different approach, and some point to Rambam and in his commentary to Mishnah, referencing this Targum. And it seems that he understood that it does not mean silence, but most understand differently. In fact, some even interpret in the Targum that he really means speaking in soft tones rather than in classic articulation. But Rashi, many others take the approach that it's silence, and he was silent. The silence, no challenge. A, a silence for which ultimately Aaron, Rashi describes Aaron as rewarded. Accepting. God, if this is your judgment, so be it. 
not arguing, not challenging, not displaying the emotion that one might expect, but rather silence. In a kind of a twist on what this idea of silence is, in the work of Umasoka Or, they bring an anecdote told over that Rabbi Eliezer Yehuda Finkel, son of the Rosh Hashiva of the Miri Shiva, Rabbi Yehu Baruch Finkel, was told the following by his father. This Rabbi Yehu Baruch Finkel, around this parsha of Shmini, is telling over to his son that what's with the silence of Aaron? There's actually a reaction we expect he should be having. Moshe seems to be giving in the level of a eulogy for the sons, for Nadavan Avihu, from, sorry, his nephews, Nadavan Avihu. He describes their spiritual excellence, Bikrovai Akadesh, how lofty they were, and how, in fact, despite whatever failure they had, whatever the sin they did, for whatever reason they did, they're described as God's closest ones. They're described as those on some level of spirituality exceeding that of you, Aaron, and me, Moshe. Where is Aaron's eulogy for his sons? And what the father told over the son, the Rebel Yo Barch Finkel, is telling over his son, Rebel Yezer Yehuda Finkel, is that the silence was the greater eulogy. For ultimately, much as the one who's giving the eulogy may be saying praise and pure praise and lofty praise of the deceased, but he's confined by words. He's restricted by vocabulary. And ultimately, the greater praise sometimes can't be articulated. And in Aaron's silence, he's describing that there's some level of greatness over here that can't be captured in words. Now, rather stunningly, this father and son, the two Roy Finkels, Rabbi Elio Barach Finkel, who's telling this to son of Eliezer Yehuda Finkel, well, the senior Roy Finkel passed away about a week or two later. And imagine what the son feels like as he stands up there having the responsibility to share words of eulogy in his father. And the father just reflected on this theme, recognize what it means that sometimes there's the inability to fully articulate. The silence of Aaron. Again, no challenge against God. The silence of Aaron. Sometimes there are words that just can't be spoken. Moshe had to speak. For Moshe to be silent might be seen as, you don't really care about them. Uh, There's something about them that you were angry at them for whatever failure happened over here. And it could be deriding to the sons. But once he had spoken, for the son to now not speak, sorry, for Aaron to now not speak, I'm not rejecting anything that Moshe said, accepting what Moshe said in my silence, and saying that I can't articulate further, but rather I'm describing their greatness through the lack of articulation. That same work, Umasoka Or, makes reference to somebody about, um, I guess it's about 150 years ago, who was described as the Shatkan or Shaskan Shalhador, the silent one of the generation. There was the Rabbi Rafal Shapira, who was the son in law of Rav Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, the Rosh Hashiva of the uh, Yeshiva of Elazhin, referred to as the Netziv. His son in law, Rav Rafal Shapira, was known as the Shaskan, as the silent one. And in explaining the idea of silence, they quote over in this work that Rav Michal Lefkowitz, uh, Zatzal, the great sages of Israel of just the last, just a few decades ago, passed away about a decade ago in Israel that Rav Michal Yudalevkowitz commented about this River Fall Shapira, that he took silence to the max. He was silent, 
until he tired of being silent. And then he would rest somewhat and continue being silent. Fascinating idea. Silence takes work. Knowing how to be silent. Controlling speech. He was... It wasn't silence wasn't out of lethargy or laziness, having nothing to say. It was being controlled. And he had a purposeful desire to be silent that took effort. He was silent until he tired of being silent, rested from his silence, and continued to be silent. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. This week, many Jewish communities around the world will be beginning the study of Pirkei Avos this coming Shabbos, it's particularly on the weeks from Pesach to Shavuos, many running through the whole summer. And in the very first chapter of Pirkei Avos that will be studied by Jews world over this Shabbos, there's a Mishnah that describes one of the sages proclaiming I have studied under the greatest sages and I did not find anything better for the body than shatika, than shasika, than quietness, than silence. Commentaries quote from the Gemara and Megillah, Mila Besela, Shtikusa Betrain. Translated roughly, for each word that's worth a coin, silence is worth two of those coins. And silence is something that we are often not super comfortable with. How often do we find ourselves forcing a comment or forcing a question or forcing an answer rather than being silent? And it's a shame. We see in this case of our own, aside from the issue of the Vayidom, the silence reflecting the fact that there's no room for me to be challenging, but there's also the Vayidom of I'm not reducing into words that which I can describe by my displaying, that there's no words to capture this sentiment. And we'll find that at times people say there are no words with which to describe X, Y, or Z, but. Now, the but might be appropriate. No other words to describe the generosity you gave me. There are no words to describe how much you did for me, but I want to express something. I want to show how much I am thankful for and appreciative and, and great. But sometimes, simply leaving it as that there are no words that can describe it might be the greater option. We've got to try to internally figure out why is it that I'm continuing on after I said there are no words. And it might be I'm continuing on fully appropriately because that's my way of showing the gratitude and, and then go for it. But if it's simply because I'm not comfortable leaving it with that statement that there are no words, I can't handle the fact that I didn't say more, then those extra words might be the words that would be doubly valuable in silence. Takeaway for this week, a tachlis takeaway in terms of what we do with this message of silence is let's try to ponder situations where we are together with people and where we can allow silence to be something we're comfortable with rather than threatening. Together with a loved one involved in a dialogue and just a pause, let it be. Allow ourselves to learn to not let every silence become awkward or become threatening. Do you ever find yourself finishing somebody else's thought just because there was a momentary silence and, oh, I need to fill it with words? Not all those words are of great value, and often it blocks us from really grasping the message that would be shared following that silence or even within that silence. And how about our own internal communication? Do we give ourselves enough space to think. Are we comfortable with silence 
our own silence, our internal silence, or do we kind of force other things into there? Do we force ourselves, I got to turn on the radio, turn on the podcast. Hey, if it's Tachlis Talks, keep doing that. But do I need to keep plugging things in so that I'm not left to be silent with myself? Internal contemplation, thinking, an art that, uh, rather ancient, but something that we can learn to uh, re-appreciate and pull into our own life's experience. So silence. You have the situations, the, the grand, more extreme, more dramatic situations, the our own situations that are a once-in-a-world history type of situation. But there are other situations that call for our contemplating, our pausing, our pondering, our acknowledging I don't have words with which to express, or that I'm expressing something greater with a lack of words, and are allowing others to have the luxury of some silence too. Let them know it's safe. It's okay. Not every moment has to be filled with words. And how often would we be in a healthier place, spiritually, emotionally, socially, if we learned to hold back comments, criticisms, critiques? If you notice the Talmudic expression we referenced earlier, the mila basella, when one word is worth one coin, the silence is double. That's in the assumption that the word actually is of value. It's a worthwhile word. How much more so if the word is of no value or if it's detrimental? How often we get ourselves into trouble because I feel I just needed to keep talking and we share a little too much information. So let's try to train ourselves to avoid that. Try to train ourselves to appreciate silence, to value it, to utilize it. Hey, maybe after finishing this podcast today, let's not jump at the need to fill ourselves with some other sound, even good sound, but to pause and to ponder and reflect. Hey, does this apply to me? Where does it apply to me? To actually live with our silence for a few moments, contemplative rather than filling in the void. And again, when interfacing with others, to learn to value silence. We don't have to exhaust ourselves with silence like that Rabbi Rafal Shapiro we mentioned earlier on. But let's learn to at least balance it. If we can do that, balance the hopefully very good things we're talking about all the time and the very good information we're bombarding ourselves with all the time, but balance it with good doses of silence as well, we'll be that much more likely to fully appreciate and achieve Eratachlis.